Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to a very, very celebratory uh, episode of Pod Strickland. This episode 136, uh, the Knicks emerged victorious in a very tight, ass-cheek-clenching finisher, 104-103, to go 4-1. They are now tied at the top of the Eastern Conference, along with the Chicago Bulls, who they defeated, and the Charlotte Hornets, who are apparently awesome now because Miles Bridges is the greatest player of all time. Uh, All right, but. We are not going to talk about that. We're here to talk about the Knicks. And joining me today is my co-host, Prez. Prez, what is going on? I'm lying down as I record this because I need to lie down after that game. That was very stressful. <laughs> uh, I don't handle stress very well. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to decompress. I got some, some barley tea here. I'm trying to center myself. But I'm very excited because uh, I feel like this game meant more to the Knicks, maybe just because my social media is more Knicks fans than Bulls fans, but, like, the Bulls were already, like, undefeated, and they got the big name pickups in the offseason, so it's like, oh, if they lose, it's, oh, the Knicks are good, so they're still 4-1, and one. but for the Knicks, it's like, ah, oh, must prove ourselves, or else we're a fraud. <laughs> I, I feel you. I do think it feels that way. It, it also feels like because of the nature of how we won, it's going to be like, well, actually, like, yeah, well, actually, go fuck yourself. Um, but joining us here to, uh, you know, wrap up the game and talk Knicks, uh, a first-time guest, very special guest. He is a writer and senior digital producer for the Jesus and Mary show on Showtime. Uh, it is YC, and that's at YC on Twitter. YC, what's going on? Hey guys, nice to meet you. Glad to uh, finally be here and talk to you guys in person a little bit. And and what a what a day you chose. What a day you chose. What a day. I mean, <laughs> when you when you were like, oh, we're available tomorrow after uh, the Bulls game, I was like, not the Bulls game, because it's just like <laughs> in my mind, this is like the October playoff game because of all the Bulls agenda on my timeline. So um, this was a big one. I mean, we didn't win it in the most. Uh, fascinating uh in the most fashionable way i guess but you know a win's a win especially against a team that we are so much worse than so <laughs> you know, i'll take it i think we'll I think, have you back we'll have you back for a more stressful appearance like after we play the pistons or something yeah, right <laughs> well I, I think i think miro would tell you that the uh you know the most important thing here is that the knicks covered um so oh absolutely one and a half points we have to learn we have to learn the point spread to like work for this show so you know <laughs> i just had that ready to go you get to know the point spread and i'm assuming everybody has to be a knicks fan is that just how it works well mostly but we have a surprising number of people from boston and celtics fans um i know you guys were guessing because i could hear you guessing like what team i was going to say <laughs> like nets like Thunder, a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, Celtics representation for some reason, but you know one of the uh, one of the funniest time periods on Twitter following uh, Miro's Twitter account was 
like leading up to that summer of 2019 when everything in Boston was going to hell. And I'll never forget, he had a tweet. I, I have it like bookmarked, I'm sure. And it was like, he like compared the drama in Boston. He said it was more dramatic than Degrassi. And I have that like bookmarked. It's like one of the funniest things I've ever read. But before we get started, uh, I do need to mention Strickland does have a Patreon now. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Strickland or on our homepage at the Strick.land. Pot Strickland on Monday is still free. Draft Strickland is still free. Alex Zach and Matt's mail.bag is still free. And we will likely be adding another free podcast to line up at some point. We have things in progress. Uh, things that are changing. Pod Strickland on Friday. This podcast right here. And my mailbag with Jeremy uh, and Drew. That will be available on the Patreon $6 tier or above. Also, if you subscribe to the Patreon $9 tier or above, uh, you will get access to my solo podcast. I just dropped an episode this week with Jonathan Macri and also exclusive weekly articles from both Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, uh, two of the best Knicks writers and flat-out basketball writers uh, out there today. Uh, if you want even more access to us, you can join the $15, $30, $50, or $100 tiers, which include a ton of benefits ranging from watch parties, sitting in on pod recordings, guest appearances on podcasts, and even potentially hosting a podcast alongside yourself. Alongside myself, I should, I guess I should say. Uh, but no matter what, if you're a Patreon patron or not, we thank you for your support. Uh, none of this would be possible without you. And without further ado, let's get back to the podcast. Let's let's talk a little bit about the basketball game that we just saw. The Knicks won again, 104-103. I thought, like, this game told me a lot about this team. I think they're definitely better than the Bulls, regardless of how the game ended, which we'll get to. But, like, watching the game play out, I thought it it was obvious that the Knicks have more talent. I think they have more cohesive talent that fits together and probably makes the game better easier for each other i think we create more high value shots uh which is kind of makes sense when you think about it uh i don't know i just i just felt like when i was watching this game i felt like i was watching a team that has that it's just like a cut above uh the bulls and maybe that's too much takeaway from one game they have a lot of new and moving pieces um but yeah i mean that's just kind of what i thought uh prez what, what did you what did you see i think both teams are really good, but the Knicks are the Knicks depth obviously is a huge advantage. The guys they were the Bulls were bringing off the bench aside from Caruso, who was awesome, uh, were not particularly inspiring, especially once Patrick Williams got uh injured. Um, they didn't really have that much depth. Um, another thing that kind of shined through is like the Knicks getting a lot out of their talent. I feel like the main players. The main guy the Bulls really get the most out of, at least today, is Vooch. But, like, everyone else, there's so many times I was like, Levine took a shot or DeMar took a shot. And those are the two players who are your best players. And I was I was like, oh, I'm happy they took that shot. That happened, like, a million times. And sometimes it went in. And then that's even without even getting to, like, oh, Caruso took a shot. Oh, I'm happy with that shot or something like that. With the Knicks, it's like... Even when they're not hitting, I'm very happy with most of the shots. Like the shot profile this year is just so crazy for everyone. Like Kemba takes the shots he's good at. Derrick Rose 
takes the shots he's good at. Even Alec Burks, who's like takes the wildest shots on the team. I'm like, oh, that's the shots he's he's good at. So like, and it's not like a dumb like 18 footer or something. So it's a uh, it's very hard to like. It takes a lot, and we'll get to it because it happened at the end of the game. But it takes a lot for the offense for me to be like, "What the fuck is happening?" Like, I don't like this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. I thought like today was pretty interesting because you can tell the Bulls were like, I mean, other than the Julius postups, we were not really able to create threes like off drive and kick or anything. They were very content to stay home on shooters and like on pick and rolls. It was basically two v two. Like it, that, that's what it was. They were not, um, you know, they were, they were not going to come off the shooters. So I think you saw uh, Kemba kind of have to make an adjustment. He had a turnover early in the game where he tried to swing it out to RJ, I think. And it's like, dude, just take the floater, like, like, or just attack Vooch because he, and he took the floater later yeah. too. So there you go. Yep. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it was like, that's, that was like the only real frustration for me. And I thought they figured that out in the second half because Basically, on every possession in the second half, when we didn't either turn the ball over or it wasn't the last three minutes of the game when we decided not to play basketball anymore, um, I thought we got a good shot, like a really good shot each time. And most of it was just like keeping it simple and not trying to overcomplicate it because the Bulls aren't running some like complex fucking Nick Nurse box and one against Steph Curry in the final scheme. It's like very, very basic shit that they're doing, um, which is fine it works for them i understand why they're doing it but like for a team like the knicks with the firepower we have in in that lineup we're really like all four four of the five guys can credibly create and shoot off the dribble um you like that that should be a, a very very easy uh defense to pick apart uh once you kind of recognize what they're doing and that's what i saw anyway um yeah i don't know why, why see what did you like i mean you you mentioned kemba who i thought had a really really good game uh arguably maybe the player of the game i would say rj was probably the best player but um yeah i mean what are your thoughts on kemba this is the second game now in a row where he's looked like a lot sharper i think yeah so i was at the last game and kemba just looked a lot better like i don't know (laughs) there's not like a more complex way to say that but i think it just feels like early on he's just trying to be like a fit-in kind of guy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like he's just trying to like defer there's a lot of like looking for Randall and like feeding Randall and like on the wing. And it, it just felt like these last two games, he's like, Oh no, I can still like get to the basket, you know, when I need to, and I, I can save some energy and do that. Or oh, I, I can, you know, you know, pull up, pull up, shoot at least, you know what I mean? Like that's the thing. If he can just do that all year, he's a hundred percent better than we've had, you know, in years. So I just feel like he's just looking for a shot a little more, which is kind of what you want out of him. He doesn't need to be, john stockton out there he doesn't need to completely blend into the background either and i just feel like these past few games these past two games he's really um added a lot just by being able to create a shot where there's nothing like there was a possession um in this game where there was like absolutely nothing it was like the shot clock was running down he just yeah. pulled up from the top of the key like with the, with his defender just all over him and he just nailed the three and it's not a great shot but you're glad that someone can take and make that with you know three seconds on the shot clock where we didn't have that really before yo does does his does his shots stress y'all out it always feels, stress me out his shot is like it feels like he's hanging in the air longer than i remember him hanging in the air 
He's also just so small that you always expect it to get like blocked from behind. The guy like chasing him around the screen or something is going to get it. And sometimes yeah. it does happen. I think it's just because he's so like, I think if he were actually listed at like 5'10", 5'11", everyone would, be more <laughs> cogniz- everyone would be more cognizant of actually how small he is and they would treat his game differently. That six feet is like a perception thing that makes you not think about it as much. Every rear view contest is so close. I'm like, no, like, like, even the ones when we set the screens farther out, like, like because he stops right on a dime and then hangs in the air. Like, I think the only player who I've seen punch it is, is um, Matisse Thibault because he's a lunatic. But, like... It's also it, the only thing Matisse Thibault can do on a basketball court of value. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, fair enough. So, uh... <laughs> So Schwinn coming from left field with the Sixer slander, <laughs> um, but yeah, all the Atlantic teams are getting it. Fuck yeah, we got we got to get these jokes it. off over number one in the East, baby. That's true. That's crazy. <laughs> I didn't even know that. That's right. But yo, Kemba shots like I'm, I'm just not used to it because like because like you're used year, to Alfred Payton, dog. and even Rose, Rose, Rose <laughs> is so deliberate and like he he's. You know, like he's waiting for the advantage, and then you see it come, and then he capitalizes off it like a, like a flower unfolding. Kembo always pulls up with like just a little less space than you'd want him to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, always a little bit more with less margin for error. You know, the 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 one thing right now that's pissing me off with Kemba, it's not really pissing me off, but it's like I feel like he's not like I know he has a comfortable mid range pull up. Like like we all know that we've seen him do it. God knows how many times uh, against the Knicks, but like just throughout his career, obviously, right? And I just feel like right now, every time he gets inside the arc, he's like, like he's like, it's like he's like doesn't know what he should do. And I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, just fucking do the same shit you've done your entire career, man. Like I don't care. Just he, do the he's work. He's working out that that inside the arc shit with, especially with like Mitch rolling. Like yeah, yeah. He did. He, mm-hmm. he it's a little better every game. I feel like you like you like we saw Mitch not just from Kemba but from other people get some nice dump offs and some alley oops and stuff. And like by the time it's like New Year's, he's I think he's gonna take more advantage of that and that'll help free up the mid range. Because like you said, he he needs he doesn't need much space, but it's even more crowded in there than it is out of the three point line. The the one thing I've noticed is Kemba, I mentioned this on like the solo pod I did, uh which probably nobody listens to. Um but uh he he does like uh he always likes to snake the pick and roll so he he likes yeah. to use the pick and then come back into kind of the the vertical space where the roll man would be and you can right. tell Mitch is like he's like ready to roll and he's like what's this little midget ass doing here like he's like what are you doing here man this is my space um you should but like you should sneak some Alfred Payton praise into your solo pod just to see who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a quiz uh and we're gonna take attendance today um but like but like yeah i mean i think that's part of it and and you can see that actually with mitch with fournier too because fournier likes to snake it also and fournier just like i don't know what he even does half the time when he, once he gets inside the arc i'm just like you're about to do some stupid shit aren't you um he plays inside that arc how i play 21 like i'm just kind of fucking around and then Scoop shots are involved, but somehow that should be working, except he's doing it versus professionals. Fournier, Fournier and Burks, like, Fournier turns into Burks inside the arc, where you're just like, you don't want him to do anything that he's about to do. And then you're just like, all right, well, hopefully it goes in. He took he some bullshit-ass fadeaway he, today from the baseline that was like, 
I literally wanted to shoot myself when he took the shot, and then somehow it dropped in, and I was like, all right, well, I guess what, that when works. He, um, when he gets there, he has, but, like, the most Yeah, I mean, I think, I think with Kemba, you're definitely starting to see, like, he's getting more comfortable. I agree, like, YC, I mentioned that before, too, that I think the first few games, he was, like, definitely trying to just fit in and not step on anybody's toes. In the last couple of games, uh, it definitely feels like he's more being like Kemba Walker. I actually thought today he could have, I think he definitely should have been even more aggressive looking to score than he was. Like, he only had 12 shots tonight. Feels um, like he had, like, 50. Yeah. Because they I mean, were all, like, ball breakers. Yeah, I mean, they were all big-time threes, yeah. too. And, like, yeah, it just it just feels like I want him to shoot more. Like, I like especially on a night like tonight, um, I mean, you look at the shot distribution, like, Julius Randle, 11 shots, Mitch, 4 shots, Kemba, 12, Fournier, 14, RJ, 15, and then OB had 2, Todd had three, four. I don't even remember that. Uh, Rose had 10. Burks had six, quickly had seven. Like, I like the balance that we're kind of achieving right now, but I also think there's a time and place for Kemba to just be like, fuck it. Like, I got it going. And tonight was definitely one of those times because he absolutely had it going. And, um, you know, I mean, I do you think, sorry, go ahead. Do you think, sorry, do you think some of those issues are just like lack of familiarity or like with his teammates and shit? Or I I also think, I also think that. Like Julius is this is Julius's team, right? So he's like coming to Julius's team. He doesn't want to come in and just be like, "All right, dude, I'm about to take like 20 shots tonight, and you can just fucking set picks for me." Like, you know, like you want to kind of balance that. I thought down the stretch, especially like when it got to 104 98, because uh, it was like what 104 91. I think they cut it. Then they cut it. I mean, they cut it all the way down to one, obviously. But it was around 104 98. I was like, I was like, I was like enough with the. The, the Julius token screen roll into the post up thing. Like just, just do something else. And I thought Kemba, like that's one where yes, Tib should call a timeout and Tib should draw up a better play or come up with a better plan. But I also think that's one where like Kemba just needs to like, like you're the point guard. So be a veteran point guard, right? Yeah. Like that's one where I just think Kemba needs to be like, Julius, get the fuck out of the, out of the way, dude. Like we're so, not running this play for you. Yeah, he, he, he's not going to do that this early in the season. Yeah, that's yeah 100%. The thing. And, like, one of the things I wanted to bring up is, like, is Julius kind of still figuring out how he's going to operate within this offense? He's been successful without while trying to figure it out because he's super talented and an amazing hooper. But, like, he, like today you could tell he started off the game like, oh, I'm going to get my guys their shots, and then it was just working. So he was like, I'm going to continue to do that. I don't know. I don't remember who we played last year, the game where he has 17 assists. Okay, see. Yeah, that's kind of um, what happened in that game as well, where it was just like they were throwing him mad attention at him, more, much more than in this Bulls game. In this and, Bulls game and it it's like, OKC who is like, they like they threw attention at him, but they have no clue what they're doing. <laughs> no, they don't. I mean, that's what right. that's what Philly did as well, to be fair. Like, yeah. they were just doubling people, and then, like, not they didn't know what to do after that. Anybody on the team. Uh, fuck Philly. Uh, so yeah. So Julius was like, he he was like, all right, I'm gonna lean into this point guard thing. But then the game got close, and I don't think he expected to have to deviate from the way he was playing. And once he did, you know, like he, he was like, all right, I'll just flip the switch from posting to passing to posting to scoring, and it worked for like a second because he started drawing like a million fouls, but. That's still you're still playing with fire there to just do the same thing over and over. So he's he's still figuring out like 
what's the balance between point Julius and like ISO wing score Julius and like balancing with Kemba Julius because that shit is all new for him. So uh, it'll probably be a while, I think, before they really get that down. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I the, the thing with Julius, like I, I actually I feel bad for him in the sense that like. I know I've already seen people in my mentions like Julius almost cost us the game. Like, well, why does he ISO? Why he's got to keep the team involved? And it's like, like, let me. <laughs> every team in the entire fucking NBA at the end of games, it does not matter who your coach is. It does not matter how much talent you have. It does not matter any of these fucking things. Every single team does this. Every single team ISOs their best guy in some capacity. Basically, it was also a mismatch. Like, yeah, he, it was like a Lonzo, mismatch. Yeah, was Lonzo. Lonzo played excellent defense for a a guard and like he's a great defender but like let's not get it twisted here like right right it's a mismatch he drew he was about to foul lonzo out like dude he was about i thought he was like julius is so funny because you can just tell when like he's about to he's like getting super angry just because the guy is like defending him like (laughs) where was where where was patrick williams on those plays like i was like kind of oh he got hurt so he's okay, yeah, I was, I was he following out. what was going on late in the game. I was like, what the fuck? Why is Lonzo on <laughs> Julius? I was like, but, completely zoned out. But, but to be honest, like, I don't think it changed much for them because Pat Williams hasn't been closing games. He, he hasn't right. been closing games. Uh, like, they've been going with that four guard lineup, basically. They don't really but have much. a, they don't really have somebody who's the kind of like Pat Will is the closest kind of player to someone who you, you put on Julius, but he's still like. Is he even twenty? Like he's still so young. So like, yeah, it's tough because like all the other guys, like Javante and Derek, those guys are twigs. Javante Green wow. is also oh. just in the league because he's friends with Jason Tatum. Yeah, that's he was it. Hooping. Yeah. Wow. He... So the so the Bulls can't put their twenty year old on like the other team's best player. <laughs> Couldn't be my team. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, we're definitely going to talk about RJ because I thought he was fucking <laughs> awesome today. Um, yeah, it's great. But yeah, like I, I think. Like, going back to the Julius thing, like, I'm not even excusing it because I agree, like, there's also a point where you have to go away from just isoing Julius. But, like, that to me is not, like, Julius isn't just, first of all, he wasn't bringing the ball up, okay? He was, it's not his fault. Yeah, like, if if Tibbs is, like, he, I mean, you could hear Tibbs, by the way, the entire game was hilarious. Tibbs was basically, like, calling out everything the entire game today. Uh, so you can tell he really wanted to win this one and ruin Noah's little party. Um, but like you could, like he's clearly calling those plays for Julius. So at some point, you can't just blame Julius for like, oh well, why didn't he pass it every fucking time? It's like, well, he's not a robot, first of all. And and even if he wasn't calling those plays, if you if the teammate throws it into Julius and then they all just stand there, mm-hmm. like what is he? He knows what they're expecting him to do, right. which is work. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's tough to, that he gets the blame for that because. They clearly are setting him in position to make a play. Like, yeah, like th- that's the entire. The only purpose of that play is like either Julius creates something for himself or he kicks it out to shooters. And like, you look at his box score; he took eleven shots today. Like, people are gonna like. He, it's not like he was out there just chucking today. He had Got eleven anymore. shots. He took four shots in the first quarter. Didn't take another shot until the second half. Okay, he double take, digit assists. Yeah, well, he was just one assist shy, but still, like, he had nine uh, assists to four turnovers. Yo, do, y'all think, boards. do y'all think he was trying? Like, I, I thought he might have been actually hunting that tenth assist. No, I don't think so because I, don't, think I so. he stopped before, before it got tight. No, I, I don't think so. I think he was because he was like, he literally kind of stopped passing at the point he had nine assists to me. Like, there was a few where he also went to try and run it. Like, this is the other thing too is. There were times where they went out of the post up, and he actually ran like a dribble handoff with Evan too. I think they did that on two straight possessions. 
Evan actually had a three rim out. So that, I mean, that, that, that could have been his tenth assist. All of a sudden, the narrative is different. The game doesn't come down to some really annoying asshole possession at the end of it. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just have a really big problem with like b- blaming Julius there because to me, that's also a function of like one, this, this team is getting used to each other, and two, like Tibbs not Tibbs is calling that play out basically, or the team is desert are just flowing into it. Uh, so that that's not really on him. Like I have, I, I have much less issue with his shooting and much more with like. If you're gonna take that put back, yeah, make, that was a bad that, play. You better make that shit, or else put no, it back. That out. was just because there was what I don't think he seconds, was thinking. seconds. That was clearly a pull at the down reset, but I think it was just like instinctual. He just like put it up without fucking the whole rushing thing yeah. that he talked about. That was him rushing. Yeah. yeah the other fun. thing too is like, yeah, that was the thing is he could have literally grabbed the board, done like a power dribble, and then gone back up in it, and he it would he would have he had enough time to do that. Like he didn't he didn't need to rush it. Um, and he did. He fucked that up. I'm sure I haven't listened to his post game or seen any quotes or anything. I'm sure he knows he fucked it up, and I'm sure Absolutely. that, like, I'm sure, you know, like that probably played in his fucking mind when he went to take the free throws. To be honest, you could tell he was in his head. Um, but look, they got the win. I think Julius did a lot of really good things this game. I tweeted out at halftime that the way he played, he clearly had learned a lot from the Hawks series. I, I still think that, like, after the at the game at the end of the game, I thought he still had a really good second half for the most part. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.